0: Welcome to Term Talk, a Federal Judicial Center video podcast. Each term we discuss Supreme Court cases most important to federal judges. Joining me is Erwin Chemerinsky, Dean and Jesse H. Choper distinguished professor of law at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law, and Michael McConnell, Richard and Francis Mallory, professor and director of the Constitutional Law Center at Stanford Law School and a former circuit judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. Thank you both for being here to talk about the impact of Cedar Point Nursery versus Haseed on takings jurisprudence. Erwin, the court broke along ideological lines in this case and determined that a state law requiring a landowner to provide temporary and limited access to union organizers could constitute a per se physical taking under the Fifth Amendment. Can you get
1: us started on the case, please? Of course, the Fifth Amendment says that the government can take private property for public use but must pay just compensation. This is applied to state and local governments through the due process clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. The Supreme Court has said there's two ways of finding a taking. One is a possessory taking, such when the government confiscates or physically occupies property. The other is a regulatory taking where government regulation goes too far. California law said that agricultural employers had allowed union organizers to have access to the employees three hours a day, 120 days a year. There were regulations with regard to this. For example, it would have to be prior to work or at lunch or after work hours. It can't be disruptive of the work. The union would have to write notice to the employer. Two agricultural employers brought suit alleging that this requirement for union access was a taking that violated the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments clauses here. And the issue was before the Supreme Court was, does the California law constitute a possessory taking? And the Supreme Court six to three said that it does. Michael, how did the court
0: get there?
2: So the, the plaintiffs in this case uh, insisted that this uh, rule amounted to a physical, not just a regulatory taking, relying on the principle that when the government actually authorizes physical entry into a property, uh, that that uh, violates uh, one of the most important uh, parts of property ownership, which is the right to exclude. And they analogized when the government gives, uh, in this case, the union uh, the right to come onto property they analogized that to a special purpose uh, easement the uh, Ninth Circuit rejected that argument um, mostly on the ground uh, that the uh, permitted occupation was episodic that it only lasted three hours a day it was only for about a third of the year uh, and uh, took the position that it's only permanent continuous uh, takings uh, that are uh, that that count for purposes of the Just Compensation Clause. Uh, The Supreme Court, in an opinion by Chief Justice Roberts, rejected that idea, pointing to a pretty substantial number of of uh, cases, and uh, involving such things. And one of the first is where the you know military were shooting its arm armaments over private property, a uh, tourist property. Another case where uh, government planes came in uh, for you know low landings to a nearby airport, uh, uh, thus disrupting the operations of, of the farm. A case where the government allowed the public to use a private. Uh, uh, Marina, uh, this this sort of thing. None of those involve permanent, continuous occupations. They were all episodic, uh, in a sense. Uh, and indeed, in some ways, this is less episodic uh, than some of those. So uh, the, the court rejected that idea, saying that the amount of time, if brief, if episodic, goes to the amount of compensation that's due, not to whether it was a taking uh, in the first place. Uh, the court also addressed. The I think pro- I think probably more serious arguments having to do with the practical uh, implications because the opponents of the uh, pro- property uh, interest here uh, raised you know a lot of sort of slippery slope arguments. If if this is a taking, well, what about uh, government inspections of of businesses and so forth? And uh, Chief Justice Roberts drew a pretty a strict line about that. Uh, saying that when the government inspections are not going to be takings, this case only applies to the um, when the government allows private individuals to come onto someone's property for their own purposes. Erwin, how did the dissent, however, see the case? The dissent didn't see the case
1: as a narrow decision. Justice Breyer wrote for the court, joined by Justices Sotomayor and Kagan. He made three basic points. First, he said, if anything, this is a regulatory taking, it's not a possessory taking. He said, this doesn't give the union organizers any property interest in the land. He said, California law doesn't give union organizers the right to exclude. He said, what it gives the organizers is temporary, not permanent access. He says, under precedent, this should be regarded as a regulation, not as an appropriation. Second, he looked at the practical implications that Michael was talking about with regard to inspections. He said, how is this different than any of the other laws that allow inspectors to come onto property? Now, Chief Justice Roberts, as Michael said, argued that those are different because there the government is conditioning, say, the ability to run a business on allowing the inspectors to have access. Justice Breyer said, here it's conditioning the ability to run a business on access for the benefit of union peace and allowing union organizing. And third, Justice Breyer addressed the issue of remedy. He said, the takings clause allows the government to take private property, but it has to pay just compensation. He said the remedy here should be money. It shouldn't be an injunction, which was what the plaintiffs were seeking.
0: Michael, what are the broader implications of the court's decision?
2: The doctrinal analysis in the case, uh, puts, it, it sort of completes, it puts an almost an exclamation point on some 15 years of uh, jurisprudence in this area in which takings clause jurisprudence, I think, has been transformed quite substantially. Uh, things got very confused in the beginning part of the 20th century with a case called Pennsylvania Coal against Uh, Mahan, which introduced this idea of regulatory takings, which are really use restrictions. They're not takings at all. The government takes no, has no uh, benefit from the land. It just uh, prevents the property owner from doing something, usually a a noxious uh, use. But once this idea that regulations that go too far uh, can be takings, that it's such a broad concept that then in the 1970s, the court tried to reined it in by a in the Penn Central case with this four part uh, nebulous four-part test that is almost impossible for uh, plaintiffs to satisfy. Uh, but a lot of lower courts uh, you know tended to be they, they tended to be somewhat confused and so they thought that lots of forms of regulation, even if they actually involved, Uh, physical occupation of one sort or another were subject to this nebulous four-part test. And I think uh, Robert's opinion uh, makes it quite clear that there is a narrow but important category of physical takings uh, that are not subject to the Penn Central uh, test, uh, and that those are defined by Uh, the question of whether there has been some kind, either a taking of title or an actual physical occupation by someone uh, with the permission of the government. Those cases are going to lead to compensation, uh, and I think the nebulous sort of it's the regulation goes too far type claims are uh, uh, who knows, but I think they're now uh, on the road to oblivion. Erwin, what's your take? What are the implications?
1: I agree with Michael that I think this reflects a court that conservative majority wants to have much more protection of property rights under the Takings Clause, but I disagree with Michael in not seeing this case is leading to a lot of other litigation. I think it will. And let me give two things that I think are going to be litigated. First, what about other laws that allow private inspectors like utility companies or government inspectors access to the property? I don't think it's going to matter whether it's a private inspector or a government inspector, it's the law that requires allowing access. How is that really different than this case? And second, there's the question of what does just compensation require in this instance? That's what the takings clause is about, requiring the government pay when it takes property. But how is that to be measured in situations like this? And I think both of those questions are pretty much litigated in the federal courts in the future
0: when Michael, it has been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for joining
1: us. Thank you. Thanks a lot.